You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome to your favorite day of the week. This is Locked On NBA. I am Anthony Irwin. As always, I'm joined by Adam. Adam, who has been been punched harder in the face, Joel Embiid or Nuggets fan? Oh, is this this one's easy. It's definitely Nuggets fans. <laughs> and Bede will be back in two to four weeks. We will not. That's a, that's a good way to answer that. Uh, today's show, as always, by the way, find this show everywhere that you find your podcasts all over the place. We host every single Friday the Locked On NBA Friday edition. Uh, we try to make it a little lighter. We try to get things going, send you off into the weekend with some fun stuff. Uh, tonight's show, as always, we're going to cover – a single game that Adam and I both focused on, the game that we both focused on tonight, was OKC and San Antonio. And then on the second and third segments here, as we're getting ready for the playoffs, we're asking the question, who, whether it's an individual or a team, has the most riding on the line as we get ready to head into the playoffs? So let's go ahead and let's first start with uh, OKC and San Antonio what was like the first thing that kind of jumped off the page or, or the first thing that you noticed as we were going here uh, when in regards to that game is what? Well, this I'm not going to answer your question that way, Anthony, but it was okay. a great setup. It was a great try. My, my first <laughs> note in my notebook here is actually, do you know how old Patrick Patterson is? Because I honestly probably would have guessed like 33, 34, 35. Isn't he like 28? He's 29 as okay. of last week. So, but I was blown away by that. I, I don't know why I thought he was older. And what made me look it up was, uh, I think, uh, was it Harlan or Albert on the call tonight? But he said Patrick Patterson out of Kentucky, and I thought that's a really in- weird way to introduce him. <laughs> yeah, nobody would ever think of Patrick Patterson being from Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> it really caught me off guard. Like Kentucky uh, guys that you usually think of are like hugely individuals, in- individually skilled, don't necessarily always fit into the team thing. But wait, why would you correlate age and, and college, though? Well, I just kept thinking like, man, it's not like he's freshly out of college. So yeah. I was like, let's see how many years he's been in the league. And then I was like, oh, my gosh, he's younger than I thought. But no, my first real note in here, I've only got one note for the Thunder and one note for the Spurs and mostly about the Spurs. But my quick note on the Thunder, and this is I don't think I've ever heard anybody talk about this. I think Steven Adams is the best I have ever seen by leaps and bounds at just moving on to the next play whenever anything happens. It's crazy. You know, like, it, like, you know, he can make a horrible play. Like, he had a play tonight where he just threw the ball to Patty Mills, just just straight chest passed <laughs> it to him, and it was a turnover. And you think most guys would kind of aw shucks themselves or whatever. It, it was like it didn't even happen. He just immediately ran back on defense. He'll get hit in the face and just no retaliation, no, no, just keeps playing. And it's almost amazing to watch him. So when I, whenever I watch the Thunder, I'm kind of just drawn to watching how he moves around the court because it is just constant on to the next thing. Yeah, I thought he took some crazy blows in Justice League this year and just <laughs> kept on going. It was it was wild. Um, no, I mean uh, the the picture that everybody thinks of is when Draymond Green kicked him in the stones, and his his face is just like non flinching at all. It's crazy. <laughs> like everybody talks about LeBron James as some kind of cyborg, uh, and and yet nobody mentions. Steven yeah. Adams, my, my note regarding it, um, and my one of my favorite things or my favorite thing from, from the game tonight was Russell Westbrook airballed two three-pointers yeah. late in the game, and he was asked about it, 
And the hold that he has over the scrums is insane. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't, did did you see the exchange that after the game? The, the, I don't know who asked him the question, but they asked like, "Do you regret taking those shots?" Seeing as how they right. played out, and he's just like, "You know me. Why would I? Why would I be upset? You know me." And then to be fair, that is, and, and look, I have a, a soft spot in my heart for beat reporters because they have to ask questions, not so much because they care about the answer, but because they need the quote. Yeah. And I was reading some gamers to prepare for this show, and every gamer I read had that quote in it because it's literally all Russell Westbrook will give anybody. He yeah. gives about five word answers, and you Especially know, beat reporters are re- yeah are required to put those in there. So. Every story had those same five words. Um, my other note, and really my my the the my the meat of my analysis of this game, and and this shouldn't come as any surprise to people. The Spurs are just so impressive in how they don't make mistakes. Because I look at this roster, and I really just am so unimpressed with it. Obviously, if Kawhi's there, everything's different. I mean, Kawhi and Lamarcus Aldridge are two legitimate scoring threats. It, you know, you have a two-way play. All all that stuff falls into place. But with the roster they have healthy for tonight, and you know, they recently went on a six-game winning streak. They're in, I believe, the four seed right now in the, this brutal Western Conference. Yep. They're playing Davis Bertans, Deontay Murray, who I like. I really, really like Murray's game. You know, Danny Green, a bunch of guys that are good. But to but when you look at all of the talent in the Western Conference and the talent in uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder, for the Spurs to be as good as they are, it really is just about how few mistakes that they make. And, you know, four factors, I think one of the best ways, you know, you can really tell a lot about what happened in a game by looking at the four factors. And they just always seem to win those battles. Tonight, um, their free throw attempt rate, they got to the line, they scored eight more points from the free throw line. I thought Oklahoma City did a really bad job, especially in that fourth quarter, of committing some really dumb off-ball fouls early. And the Spurs got to play, I think, seven straight minutes to close the game in the bonus. When you have a tight game like that, an extra three or four free throws, that's the difference between the game. The Spurs never make those mistakes. Oklahoma City did. And then just the offensive glass. Um, you wouldn't think that this San Antonio team should be able to out-rebound such a tall and athletic Oklahoma City team, but that's what they did tonight. And it's just so impressive that no matter who comes through that system, they're able to win these battles that are so often overlooked by players and fans, and they just execute it all the time. David Fisdale said that Isaiah Thomas makes sense for the Spurs, and that's legitimately like the only team that I would agree that any any place <laughs> makes sense for, for Isaiah Thomas. The other note that I wanted to make regarding OKC and San Antonio, and, and everybody's going to roll their eyes because I cover the Lakers. Um, look, you look, at, you look at OKC's bench. Their starters, Carmelo plus 12, Brewer plus 6, Corey Brewer plus 6, uh, Paul George plus 5, Steven Adams plus 10, Russell Westbrook plus 7. Yeah. And then you look at their bench, Patrick Patterson minus 17, Grant minus 13, Felton minus 16, Abrinas minus 9, Ferguson minus 5. And, and so everybody's going to roll their eyes because they're going to say, well, you just want Paul George to be a Laker. And, and my thing is, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, but like the, the thing that I do want to say here, though, is that like if Paul George, even if it isn't to, to become a Laker, but if Paul George leaves, it's because I, I would and I would tend to agree that he could explain away his decision by saying, I think OKC is kind of topped out with what we have right now. Now, they're playing without they're playing without uh, Robertson, and that's a huge loss. But in the I think grand, a game-changing loss, personally. It, it, no, I, I completely agree. But I just don't know how they add to the talent. And and even with Robertson, I, I mean, would you? I don't know if I would want to commit three, four years of my career 
to Russell Westbrook throwing up two air ball three pointers in in the fourth quarter and not even having to explain himself afterward. To, to be fair, last season Russell Westbrook has the greatest all time yeah, points per thirty six minutes in clutch. So it was wild, you know. And these things do kind of go up and down with such small sample sizes, but he was incredible. So, um. If Robertson is there, I think Paul George feels a lot more comfortable coming back to the to the Thunder, assuming he's okay with playing in Oklahoma City. Which, no offense to the, the people of Oklahoma City, it's just it's a small, much smaller market with smaller exposure and less things to do. So that that's the part I look at. But when you talk about the Spurs bench, it's not a surprise that they're good. Yeah. The Spurs, outside of Lamarcus Aldridge, I don't. You could mix. You could start the bench and and, and bring the starters. <laughs> it just doesn't matter. They're a machine. You're right. And they they execute that way throughout the entire game. Yeah, and and that's what you know. Continuity. That's 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 that really hugely helps. That everybody who goes through that system just puts their checks their their ego at the door and and they're ready to go. All right, we're gonna move on. And here in a second, we're going to talk about. And I'm sure OKC will come up in the in the final segment here. But we're going to start with the Eastern Conference, and we're going to talk about who has the most at line as we head into these playoffs. And as these playoffs begin, uh, we have some really interesting storylines. All the more interesting now, unfortunately, that that Joel, Joel Embiid was was knocked out potentially out of the the either the entire first round or parts of it. We'll get to all that here in a second. <laughs> All right, so I'll go ahead and start with with teams that because I want I want you to get the final word here uh, on on teams or people who have the most on the line here. I think a a team slash person who has a lot more on the line than people are necessarily giving credence to is the Washington Wizards and John Wall yep. because they I mean he's it, on my list. He's you have somebody who was just paid like crazy. He missed some time, and I don't think. I don't think anybody in their right minds thinks that Washington is better off without him, but they did play quite well, and they and and you have to wonder like at what point, you know, Bradley Beal and John Wall love to to anoint themselves as the best backcourt in the entire NBA, and they don't have very much to show for it, right? And so at some point, hopefully this year, they need to win a a, a playoff series. I think in my in my I, in my opinion, they need to win a playoff series. In order to to at least continue talking, because if they don't win a playoff series and they continue talking, nobody's going to want to listen. They did get off to that hot start. I think they won the first five without him, and then you know continued to play well even after that. But they have lost four of their last six, so they mm-hmm. are in a bit of a slide. And I think really need him back. Otto Porter went down tonight, and the injury to me looked maybe not serious but something that it was it looked like an ankle injury that at worst could be something that puts him out for several weeks and at best can bring him back in a week or so but have him limping and, and being a little mm-hmm. bit tender maybe not fully himself uh you look at them right now i think you have to consider them an underdog heading into the playoffs especially if they end up facing as i anticipate they will cleveland or Philadelphia, if they slide, and it'll be interesting to see if they try to slide down to take on Boston. <laughs> I think some teams will be be itching to play them. But I think you're absolutely right about John Wall, and, and, and there's a couple interesting things here. Full disclosure, John Wall's one of my favorite players in the NBA to watch. I just Mine think he's a, he's a joy. But, you know, this style of, of having the ball in one player's hands, <clears throat> no, no matter how dynamic that player is, I think is slowly phasing its way out. Obviously, Houston is... 
is playing that way. They put the ball in James Harden's hands, Chris Paul's hands, and, and they spread the court. But you see a lot of teams that are incorporating all of their players more into the playmaking. And John Wall's a guy, and I think that the Wizards have a, a, a roster full of guys who are able to playmake, but John Wall takes on so much of the playmaking duties. And I do think this is a season now with as weak as the East is, that it was, it's an opportunity for him to kind of vault himself up a tier and, and to kind of make some noise in the playoffs. But unfortunately, Washington just seems to be limping to the finish line. Literally, in Otto Porter's case. Uh, the, and, and you mentioned Houston and you mentioned the way that they play. They, yes, those guys do spend a lot of time on the ball. But they are both on the court at the same time, and they figure out a way to find that balance. I want Washington to be able to find that balance with Beal and Wall. All right, what's your, who's your first team on the list here for the Eastern Conference or person? Well, I've got the 76ers, and of course this changes a bit with Joel Embiid. And first of all, they don't have they have something on the line, but it's not necessarily negative. Like a lot of these teams, it's it's oh you got to prove yourself or this or that. For them, they're playing with with found money basically and even with this Embiid injury maybe it makes it less less exciting but I am a believer in Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid as not just good prospects but as in transcendent talents as in they could both be top five players in the NBA at the same time at some point in their careers and for them to be in the playoffs this quickly I think they've outperformed everybody's expectations this season for them if they were able to win a playoff series or or just kind of really push some of these really good teams you know, the Cavs, Toronto, if they could push one of those teams in a series, I think it almost would send a panic throughout the rest of the league. Yeah. They have enough money in the salary cap to sign a max player next year. Mm-hmm. On top of that, they have this young roster. It's just, to me, if they can make some noise here, I think it really signals that net going into next season, this isn't just a good young team. This is a team that could be a finals contender. That's actually a perfect segue into the team that I think both you and I have the most at stake. But, I mean, we, we would be remiss if we didn't mention that the Cavs need to convince LeBron to stay. <laughs> you know, that's it's crazy that this is somehow well, not the top one on our list. Well, well, I actually put LeBron in there, and LeBron's always going to be on there for me until he retires. And, you know, what is it, seven straight uh, finals he's mm-hmm. made that can add to that? It's just... The fact that he actually has an opportunity to go to another finals with this roster, which has some talented players, but I think is no means a a, a finals team. It's just amazing. And while I don't think too many people would blame him if they don't, if he does make it back to the finals, it's just another feather in his cap. Yeah, you and I both agree that him leaving is way more interesting than him staying. Interesting, yes. Yeah. Um, All right, let's go ahead and, and wrap up. With the Raptors, right? The the for me, the reason I think they have the most on the line is because this is their peak. I don't know if they're going to get much better after. Now, maybe their their bench does have some young guys that are going to grow, and maybe that will inject some some talent and some development into this team. But the Cavs are kind of sort of, as you just pointed out, not outside of LeBron, not a Finals echelon type team. Boston is missing potentially Kyrie Irving and obviously Gordon Hayward. Uh, the Wizards are limping. This is this is the year that the Raptors can't do playoff Raptors stuff. Is that where you yeah. would kind of start with your with your argument? The Raptors remind me of my hometown team, the Denver Nuggets, in a lot of ways. In that, even though they're a big metropolis and a great city, beautiful city, great fans, all these different things. 
you know, they're just not an attractive destination, and and I think it's tough. They 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 suffer from a lot of the fates of the small market teams, where you have to seize the opportunity when they come, and they've done a great job of staying in the hunt, staying relevant, and having great regular seasons, but it hasn't turned into playoff success. That 2009 Nuggets team was a perfect example of a team that was good. There was an opportunity. They had kind of a, a nice path to make it to the conference finals, and they took advantage of that. For me, Toronto, this is their year to make it to the finals, if ever. And it's not because I think they're great and they're world beaters, but everybody else in the Eastern Conference is just so vulnerable, more so than I think ever before. And if if they're to make it to, to the NBA finals, this is the year for them to, to do it. And I'm just curious to see if they're able to put that together in in the playoffs. I hope they are. I'm always. I I'm, do too, actually. Like I, I'm always. I always kind of feel bad for you know when LeBron was called the choke, you know, and then he wasn't because he won, you know, and and <laughs> and and you, you just kind of go through the history of losers until they win. And I want the Raptors to just prove everybody wrong and shut everybody up because that that narrative just feels so lazy to me. They went from the. They they had the twenty second highest uh, three point attempt rate last season. They have the fifth highest this year, and I know it's a small thing, but it's just I I I love when teams who have kind of had a fatal flaw are able to address that and fix it. And they're a team that has figured out how to work three point shots mm-hmm. into an offense that wasn't necessarily designed around it. So I, I I'm not necessarily rooting for the Raptors, but I wouldn't mind seeing them in the finals. Yeah, and and just if if nothing else, I mean. Not having LeBron in the finals would kind of suck <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when, when we sure. get there, when we get there. But but it would just just for change of change of pace. All right. Uh, we are going to change the pace ourselves and head over to the Western Conference here. The in better a conference. <laughs> uh, I started last time. I'll let you start this time. Who or which team has, in your opinion, something really riding on on either making it to the playoffs or performing in them. I went with a lot more players, coaches um, than I did necessarily teams, but all of these players come from just three different teams. So I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll throw Oklahoma City and Paul George in particular both into this. And Oklahoma City, obviously they took a big gamble um, trading away Oladipo and, and Sabonis to, to bring in what, what was could be a one-year rental I think Oklahoma City looks like they will probably finish as the four or five seed. There's a chance they'll fall further and, and be a six seed, but I think a four or five seed and an opportunity for them to make it to the second round. And they're still somewhat of a dangerous team, you know, in any kind of series, just because they have such high, you know, unique, uh, unique players like Paul George, Russell Westbrook. So for me, if they flame out in a first round series, say they play San Antonio and they lose, and they lose in six games you know, or, or less mm-hmm. or fewer, you know, that to me would be such a big blow, not only to their chances of re-signing Paul George, but just also would people have too much excitement and faith in a team like like that, even with the Robertson stuff. Uh, so I think they're a team. And then Paul George in particular, you know, Indiana is looking to be a four or five seed themselves. Yeah. It would be really weird if Indiana advanced further in the playoffs than Oklahoma City did. The the think pieces about Paul George, I'm already rolling my eyes at them. <laughs> Most wouldn't be fair, and the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference isn't isn't the same. But you know, it is exciting to see Paul George on on this stage again. I think he was on that stage in those Miami series, and he played great. Some of his best basketball came mm-hmm. in those series. It was just incredible to watch. Yeah. All right. My the next team that I have here, and it's for a lot of the same reasons that we were talking about with the Raptors, though. You know. Not to the same extent because the Western Conference is stronger than the Eastern Conference. But I have the Blazers on my list. 
I like and, it. And it's for – look, I don't know if this group of guys is going to play better basketball. Now it's unfortunate that Mo Harkless is hurt. He was playing great basketball. Big part of their team. Yeah, huge part of it. So so hopefully that they can – you know, either he comes back or they can kind of find a way to overcome that loss. Um, but – but I really love watching. I don't think it's a, a sustainable way to, to win in the NBA because some of the shots that those guys take are insane. But when it works, I can't think of a more fun team play in close games than the Portland Trailblazers. They, the, the, <laughs> Damian Lillard shoots insane shots from like 30 feet with step backs. And, and CJ McCollum has this really weird handle to him that is really efficient or, or really effective. And they just seem to get it done. Um, but I just don't know where this team goes after this year, so I want them to succeed when they're at this kind of peak that they're at. And with with the Warriors limping in, now I, if they run into the Rockets and the buzzsaw that that team is, it's it for the Warriors. But maybe yeah. they can make some noise against it in, in a series against the Warriors. And you look at Portland, they're probably going to face New Orleans, Minnesota, or Utah in a first round. And again, I, I'm with you. I don't think they can make it past the conference finals at best. They probably couldn't even get past the second round. But it is important for them, I think, to win a first-round series because this is a team that has kind of become maybe not stale, but you start to wonder what is their ceiling? What are they building towards? They already have one of the highest payrolls in the NBA. Yusuf Nurkic is a free agent this summer. There's a chance that this this Blazers team, if they fall in a first round, you just look at it and say, you know, maybe it's time to split up CJ and Dame, which sounds crazy because they're so good and they're so fun to watch together. But at some point, you have to look at where what you're building and think where the where is this going. So a first round win and a competitive second round series, or even a second round series win, I think would just be so huge um, for them. Maybe reevaluating their their future if they end up losing in the first round, especially to a team like New Orleans, Utah, Minnesota. I, I, I just think that maybe you look at that roster and say, okay, some serious changes. We need to redesign this team. Well, I think then the, the, the a fair follow-up, I think, here is is would they, in a certain sense, be better off losing, right? Because like, I think there are legitimate questions whether they win a first-round series or not, right? And and if they lose in that first round, then it forces them to ask that question, okay, what, what we – we're kind of learning what the ceiling is with this team, with this collection of guys building a team this way. Is it time to maybe look in a different direction? Just something to something to look forward to. What's your uh, what's your next? Oh, go ahead. What's your next guy nope. team or whatever? My next my next one. It is where I wanted to go. And actually, it's it's the Golden State Warriors. And as a right below that, Kevin Durant himself. And the Warriors for this reason, you know, to me, they're the most the this last three years they're the best team i've ever seen yep and they're such a transcendent and unique and i think they changed the league and all of these important things it would be weird for them to only win two out of four years it would be it would yeah it would really really feel strange it felt strange when lebron only won two of four years in miami but it actually kind of the way it, it worked i thought it, it was right that spurs team they lost to was also one of you know just such an incredible team that had such an incredible playoff run but with Golden State, I don't feel that way. I feel like they were the best team the last three years, and they lost one. And then this year, there's just been some things that obviously haven't gone right for them with injuries and things like that. And that's why Kevin Durant is on the list. Steph Curry will be out in the first round. They'll also play most likely Minnesota, New Orleans, Utah, one of those teams. And if they struggle in a first round or you know, if they just get off to a slow start, I think that would be a very telling thing. And Kevin Durant in that first round is going to have to carry this team in a lot of ways that he hasn't really had to in his tenure there. And I just think it's a, so I think it's kind of a big playoffs for him. 
they are significantly worse, obviously, with Steph not on the court and Durant on it. Like for whatever reason, it just doesn't quite work the same way without Steph out there with uh, with KD. And and the other part thing, of that is that they're so good with both of them on. Yeah. I mean, so to yeah. be fair, you're going from great to only really good. Yeah. But I the, the other point that I wanted to make, and it's a matchup thing, is that. If they if they play against Minnesota and Minnesota gets Jimmy Butler back, I think Carl Anthony Towns is a really tough matchup for that team the way that they're built. And then you add to that somebody who can guard people on the perimeter the way that Jimmy Butler can. If Steph obviously isn't going to be back in the first round, and I would still put a ton of money on the Warriors to win that thing, but right. that would be a really interesting really interesting series. All right, who's your uh, who's your final team on the list here or person on the list? There's no question about it, and it's the it's the Houston Rockets, and I'm actually not even going to say the Rockets. I'm going to give you three names because I really do think of, of the Eastern Conference, Western, everything in the NBA, I think these are the biggest storylines and the, the players with the most on the line. First, meaning lowest, is James Harden. He has a lot on the on the line himself because he has disappeared in some big playoff game, yep. moments. He's Absolutely. the MVP of this series, I think no questions asked, but... Uh, they have an opportunity not just to contend for a championship, but really to win one. And I want to see how he plays. He's been so great this year. I really do think he's at the height of his powers. For him to have a bad playoffs would be really, really strange, I think, for him and for his career arc. Second on my list is Mike D'Antoni. Yep. This was, is such, yes, thank you. This is such a uh, this is such an interesting thing because you know in the playoffs, I think great teams have a dozen things they do good and and maybe two or three things they do well. And I think Houston has two things they do really, 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 really well, and they do them 100% of the time. So some teams, you know, will experiment throughout the course of the season. Okay, we can play small. We can play big. We can ISO. We can pass. All this stuff. Houston runs pick and roll, and they ISO. And they just do it over and over and over and over again. And if a team is able to slow that down, it might signal a, a flaw in sort of the design of their season and the way they constructed their season. So I'm very curious for that. Lastly, and I'll let you follow up with these, but lastly for me, I think the number one most compelling storyline is Chris Paul. He is, I think, one of the greatest point guards to ever play. I think he's one of the best players in this league, a top 10 type talent, and he has never made it to the conference finals. I think for him, I think this will be an emotionally charged and I ex- uh, playoffs, and I expect to see the best version of Chris Paul. I don't think – so you, you mentioned Chris Paul not getting to the conference finals. I think that that kind of sort of needs to happen this year, right? And now injuries – everything that we've said so far is injuries notwithstanding. If somebody gets hurt, that throws everything – that throws the math completely off. I don't think Dan Tony has ever been to a finals, right? No. And, and so with both of those guys – Should have. He got robbed one year, but yes. Yeah. Uh, although I think even Nash admitted to flop – to admitting to flopping on that play. But anywho – I made a ton of friends in the in the Phoenix area by saying that. But <laughs> but Mike D'Antoni, Chris Paul are two guys whose greatness and impact on this league, especially D'Antoni, his impact on this league is indelible. You it's almost inarguable. But it does have that minor little tick in the back of your head thinking, "Wait, how hasn't this coach who has revolutionized the way the basketball is played in this league and in the world really, how has he not made it to a finals?" And now he has, in my opinion, objectively the best team in the league, the healthiest team heading into objectively the playoffs. Objectively, the best team in the league. Yeah, I mean, as they're as they're going into the playoffs, the, the Warriors don't have Steph. 
right? So, but they will have him at a certain point. Yeah, I, I still think the Warriors are a formidable opponent who's probably should be favored in a series against them. I, I meant, I meant factoring Steph not being there into the match. Like oh, okay. as all the teams go into the playoffs, now that'll change as the playoffs go along. But I, I, I think Houston is objectively the best team going into the playoffs. Now that'll change okay. and stuff. But, um, I, I think, I think they at least have to push Golden State to like six or seven games. And and preferably, I would like to see everybody make it into the finals. But I think in order for in order for for D'Antoni for those questions to not to keep coming up with D'Antoni, he needs to push. He needs to get past San Antonio for one thing, and get <laughs> past, get past Greg Popovich. I can't see them struggling with a team of that caliber. I know we've talked about this with Portland and all those other ones. I just can't see Houston struggling with even Portland. Quite frankly, mm-hmm. no, I I I, I agree, I, and that's and that just further. Reinstates how much is on the line for everybody that you just listed, and they've and lost fourteen games this year. It's insane, isn't that crazy? Yeah, I mean, like they really are having just this incredible, in some ways, historic season, and they're not even being chased. They're seven games up of Golden State right now. Yeah, it's it's wild. It's I I'm really looking forward to these playoffs because there are so many storylines, and there isn't like a clear cut team that is going to win the finals as it felt like last year. It's it's going to be a lot of fun. This was a lot of fun. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your weekend. Again, Adam Morris hosts Locked on Nuggets. He is the EIC of Denver Stiffs. I host Locked on Lakers. I am the EIC of Lakers Outsiders. You can follow me on Twitter at Anthony Irwin LA. You can follow Adam on Twitter at Adam underscore Morris. Every single Friday we do this. Find us podcast, rate and review this podcast, and, uh, and do us all a favor there. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week.